You are listening to the Wool Academy podcast. This is episode number 73. Hello and welcome. My name is Elizabeth Van Delden and once a week we talk to an industry expert from the wool industry supply chain from farm to fashion and beyond, delivering strategies and insights to be successful in wool and showcasing those beautiful stories wool has to tell. Today I welcome Tove Grane on the show. Tove is the founder and designer of the apparel company We Norwegians. Welcome, Tove, to the show. How are you today? Thank you, Elizabeth. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm also good. We just discussed before we came online that it's really, really cold. But in Norway, you said it's minus 20 degrees and here in Germany, it's minus six. So a very good reason to talk about wool, I think. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> well, why don't we start by you introducing yourself a little bit more in detail and tell us what you do. All right. Uh, so I'm a Norwegian designer, um, born and raised in Norway and educated in design in Norway, in Oslo. Uh, I've been working as a designer for more than 20 years now. Time flies when you're having fun. <laughs> um, so I live in Voss, which is a small town quite close to Bergen, if you know, if you heard about that. It's the second biggest city in Norway. Um, Voss is very famous for skiing, extreme sport, and also sheep farming, but for wool. Um, so I moved to Voss in 2010 to start working for a ski brand and um, before that I've been working uh, with knitting uh, designs as well um, for a company in Oslo so uh, yeah I've been working with knits and wool for a long time now. Excellent well thank you for your introduction But you also recently found a new brand called We Norwegians. Tell us a little bit more about your company and the vision behind your brand. All right. Uh, so, well, the story <laughs> goes like this, that uh, I moved to the city of Voss, which is quite small. Um, and uh, the, the brand that I was working for was closed down after it was bought by a bigger company. And so I found myself here in Voss with no job <laughs> and uh, without a prospect of getting a new job within design in this town. So after a year, I decided to take the plunge and create my own brand. So after working with the ski brand for uh, three years, I've been you know, really into merino wool because of the functionality and I was working with some really nice fabrics and I thought that it had potential to do something well to create a brand that was focused on merino wool uh, with the technical abilities that we will have and still uh, be kind of fashionable in a way because I felt that a lot of the um, like the base layers that I was creating for ski wear had such nice fabrics but I was missing that in fashion as well so that was the idea or the start okay and when thing. when when did you found we Norwegians uh well the 
the idea started just after I left my old company in 2013. And then I spent some time just, you know, um, trying to come up with a, a sort of business plan for it. And uh, it was launched in October 2014. Okay, and how did you come up with the name We Norwegians? Well, I wanted to to have a name that sort of like immediately describes um, where the brand was from because I wanted to work internationally. And I think that uh, with wool and Norway has a very you know, close connection. At the same time, I wanted to show uh, the world that Norway is a contemporary modern country and it's including in a way you know, the way that we live and close to nature and so forth. So I thought that it was very, I wanted to show everyone how we live today, really. Yeah, and can you explore a little bit more this heritage that Norway has with wool and what is so special about it? Um, well, it's quite cold <laughs> in Norway, as you know. Um, so we have just been wearing wool forever and I I mean we grow up wearing it as newborns um, all babies now in Norway are you know use wool as a base layer um, so it, it's just a part of us really and we continue to wear wool all all the time when we grow up and it, it's just natural and that yeah. that translated then also into your brand. Yeah. Hmm. Yes. And you also say that you you love knitting. So what do you like so much about knitting? Uh, well, I love knitwear. I'm not so good at knitting myself. <laughs> I have to admit. Uh, but I grew up with my mother and my grandmother's knitting, of course. And I I was more into the design part of it. And uh, I. I made them knit what I wanted, <laughs> so I was lucky in, in that way. But it is, knitwear is just really comfortable to wear. Um, you know, it's it just feels very uh, comfortable, relaxed, and uh, informal, cozy. Makes you feel good, I think. Yeah, no, I agree, and I have the same situation that I don't know really how to knit but my mother is a very good knitter so I do the same yeah. I tell her what she should knit for me so yeah <laughs> it's <a> good <laughs> very convenient yes <laughs> and I also read that you say that all the garments you create must meet a need and they need to be useful and stand the test of time can you mm -hmm. explain this concept a little bit more in detail uh well I think I don't know. I mean, I've been working uh, within textile and fashion for a long, long time. And I think that after a while you get kind of, I don't know, bored in a way with fashion. Uh, and I, when I wanted to create my own brand, I, I thought that it has to be something more. Because, um, you know, style and trends, they, they change all the time and, and that's fun. But... I personally always seem to go back to more basic garments that I love and uh, that I can keep for a long time. 
and uh, you know just don't have to change everything all the time and I love the way that well when I started a brand I was looking a lot at the architects and industrial designers in Norway and I was very inspired by them and uh, Scandinavian minimalism in a way that you just try to take away unnecessary things because I, I feel that those kind of garments and those kind of things and houses and everything just seem to last longer, you know. Yeah, and I heard someone else say about your garments that they're um, functional enough to be using and wearing them on the skiing slopes, but they're also right. elegant and casual enough to then yes. walk into town. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, I, joke, yeah. I joke about that. That is kind of based, you know, based on kind of a laziness because I, I, I like to be comfortable. Uh, at the same time, I'm very practical. Uh, so I, but I still want to look good, you know. Yeah. And I guess in the Western world, many consumers are looking to reduce the amount of clothes that they have and reduce their environmental exactly. impact. So is that, I, I would think, something, a need that you are meeting there? Yes, absolutely. Uh, that's a good point because I don't want to, you know, fill up my closet with a lot of stuff. So it's better to have, you know, few things that you can wear a lot and you can combine them and wear them in different ways. So, yeah. yeah. And I think that's you know, something that more and more people are realizing now as well. Yeah, maybe because our listeners right now can't really um, see your garments, maybe can you describe a little bit what kind of items your collection includes? And so they get uh, Yes. Uh, well, in the beginning, when I, when I launched it, people were a bit, or my audience and the buyers were a bit confused because they were thinking, what is this? Is it fashion? Is it sport? And I was kind of lacking a word how to describe it. And then this, I heard this uh, word in ISPO the first time called athleisure. And that describes it perfectly because it's something in between sport and fashion that you can dress up or wear casually, depending on how you put it together with other items. Because, uh, you know, the, it's like a gray zone between sport and fashion. So it's quite basic in a way that you can wear a sweater, um, that you can uh, wear together with ski pants, or at the same time, you can wear it with jeans and put a shirt underneath. So it's very versatile. Okay, yeah. And I, I will make sure to link to your website also in the show notes so that people can check it out. Yeah, great. Yeah. <laughs> and mm -hmm. you tell me also, how do you source your wool and where do you manufacture your products? Um, well, we do everything in uh, Europe, um, and the reason for that is that I, I have worked in Asia for many, many years, and they make fantastic things there as well, but I felt that as a small uh, new company that it was more manageable to work within Europe in a way that it's, first of all, closer, so I don't have to travel as far, and um, uh, also the EU regulations uh, within, you know, chemicals and pollution and uh, animal welfare and so forth. Even though the raw wool itself comes from Australia and New Zealand most of the time, uh, 
I know that the the yarn spinners that I work with uh, have quite strict regulations and rules about how they manufacture the yarns. Um, so I don't source the fiber itself. I source the yarn, which uh, comes from uh, Italy, Germany, mostly. Yeah, and I saw that actually on each item um, of clothing online, you describe exactly where the yarn was made, what quality yes. it is, where it was knitted and cut and sewn. Why is this important to you to provide this kind of detail? Uh, well, uh, when I started the company, again, I, I wanted to be as transparent as I can. Uh, because I, I think that it's more and more important for the consumers to know just as food, you know, uh, where stuff is produced and, uh, you know, that it's done in a responsible way because I myself like to know that. And, um, you know, I'm learning more and more as well every day. Uh, so I, I, I try to be as transparent as possible uh, just for the benefit of everyone, I think, to make people also be more aware of, uh, you know, what they buy, mm. really. Yeah. And speaking then what of the consumer, so where do you actually market your brand and who would be your typical consumer? Uh, Do you mean by uh, what kind of PR work we do? Uh, um, well, because... well, mainly like you sell online, but maybe you also yes. distribute differently. Yes, we we sell internationally. Uh, we have lots of shops in Norway, of course. Um, US is a big market for us. And uh, also um, we're starting to get more and more uh, shops in um in uh, Europe, especially in the mountain areas like the Alps. Uh, we are represented in mostly in the ski resort towns in the US, of course, but it's all over the US, also in Beverly Hills. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you, so you have... I, a... I, sell, I sell to other shops mm -hmm. and uh, we also have our own shop here in Voss. And we're planning to open a shop in Oslo at the beginning of the summer and uh, maybe one in the U.S. as well. Okay, so it's a mixture of wholesaling, your yes. own shops as well as online. Yes. Do you feel it today it's necessary to have the combination of all these three? As a new brand, uh, it was important to uh, spread out You know, since nobody had heard about the brand, I, I found that it was difficult to just focus on e-commerce because clothing needs to be touched and felt and, you know, uh, tried on, I think, for the first time. But um, I, I see that people who have maybe tried our garments in shops are more confident on buying our stuff online afterwards. And can you describe who would be your typical customer who would wear your clothes? Yeah, well, we have mostly a more grown-up audience, uh, I think, even though it ranges from teenagers to older crowds, <laughs> but uh, more senior. 
But uh, I would say it's usually people who, first of all, have their own jobs, who are willing to spend a bit more money on the garments that I have and, you know, have kind of found their style in a way that are not too much into the, the latest fashion trends. But, well, you know, maybe more conservative, I would think. I went to, you know, yeah. people who are concerned about the environment and, uh, you know, think before they buy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. If yeah. they're also concerned about um, the environment, but you just answered that. Um, and coming back to starting your business, can you yes. ha- tell us what was your biggest challenge when you started your business and what did you learn from it? Uh, well, First of all, it's always a, a challenge to, well, the first thing that you encounter in a way is how to find your style and uh, your identity, of course. Um, then it's also difficult to reach out to uh, an audience so that you can actually uh, get the quantities you need for production. Um, for me, uh, it was not a challenge, but to find the right factories also to work with so that, uh, you can f- find some, because you're going to build your brand together with these factories, right? For, for me as a brand, it's an investment for them as well. Um, so you have to find someone who's willing to believe in your idea and to, to start up production and, uh, you know, with the small quantities that you have. Uh, and also to, after the first production, to make sure that it's up to par quality-wise and fitting. It's, it's a lot of steps to take care of. So, you know, to gain the trust of the consumers. Yeah, and... Do you feel you have now different challenges to compared to the beginning? And what would these be? Uh, it's always challenges. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't really know where to start. But I think uh, it's always challenging to, to keep the quality uh, good enough, I think. That's always something that we're concerned about. You know, just quality check again and again and again. That will never end, of course, because we're always striving to be better. Um, I think it's also a bit challenging concerning the the, the sales. To you know, it's it's uh, it's a lot of competition out there, and to stand out and uh, make people believe in your story, and uh, also price-wise, you know. Uh, because merino wool is getting more and more popular. So actually the prices of wool have gone up like 30% in just the last year. Um, you know, that obviously is also a challenge to, to, to get actually the consumers to understand that, uh, you know, price versus quality is, uh, you know, There is a pattern there. The fast fashion is cheap for a reason. But luckily, more and more people are realizing this. So, yeah. Yeah, and do you feel you have to educate your consumers about wool? Absolutely. Yeah. And I I saw that you have some videos on how to take care of your garments. 
Yes. Uh, in Norway, this is not an issue at all because it's natural for for people to take care of their wool. It's something that everybody knows, really. But I I was quite surprised when we went to the the US for the first time that um, you know how how new this is to everyone there. That, uh, for instance, that you don't have to wash your wool that often. Because they were very concerned about their, you know, cleanliness of wool and, uh, you know, didn't quite grasp the concept of that you you don't really have to wash wool to, to keep it clean. You just have to air it out. And um, this was very big news <laughs> to a lot of the shops that I was working with. So... So now do you, so you have the videos, but do you also have um, like material that the shops can hand out on how to take care of their wool? Or? Yes, we, we make these little folders that we can uh, give to our customers. And uh, we also try to make these uh, clinics as much as we can when we uh, visit the shops so that they can also educate the end consumers and uh, the customers in their shops. What do you mean by clinics? Can you um, Well, then we try to explain, uh, first of all, what merino wool is, uh, explain about microns and uh, the technical abilities of wool and how, you know, the, the yarns that we use, etc., etc. You know, everything just... And that's with the shop owners or also with end consumers? Uh, both uh, sometimes we do clinics with the people who work in the shops um, and sometimes they will invite their customers to to like uh, small events mm -hmm. that we can have in the shop oh yeah that's interesting okay yeah and that also leads me to my one of my last questions so you already mentioned that you live in a very rural area in Norway mm -hmm. in Voss And, but of course, majority of the consumers live in cities and don't have mm. any connection to nature or to farming. And mm. they also don't know anything how clothes are made. So do you mm. think it is important that consumers have like reconnect to the source of the products? And and how, yeah, what is your idea on, on helping mm. with that? I, I think so. Uh, and I think this is also a trend that's been going on for a few years now about you know, craftsmanship uh, concerning food and just how things are made. And um, I also think that it's important for uh, people to, to know how clothes are made. And, um, you know, it's been very trendy in a way with being vegetarian and vegan. And then uh, they say, well, what about vegan wool? <laughs> what is that but that's actually acrylic and how it then is acrylic made well that's you know made from oil which is not good for nature in when you when you see the circle of life of a, a garment made of acrylic and polyester so i we're also starting up like a wool school or material school that we we want to uh, teach people how different fibers work just you know very plain and simple so that people can know um what the different things are really 
Oh, that sounds really like an, a good project to, to pursue. Yeah. And would there, do you have any f other future plans for your brand? Uh, well, we have lots of plans, of course. Uh, but uh, first of all, this year we're fo focusing on building our own flagship store and get that up and running. Um, it's going to be in Oslo and uh, we're working with some very creative young architects from Bergen. Um, so that's very exciting. Uh, I also have some plans, you know, expanding the products, product lines, of course, maybe, you know, make uh, some more uh, base layer programs, maybe some wool care products. I have lots of ideas. Yes, I think designers like you never stop having ideas. <laughs> no, That's just what you have to do. Never stops. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time today. Um, before we close, where should our listeners go to find out more about We Norwegians? Well, first of all, uh, they can check out our website. Uh, we always try to keep it as updated as possible. There you can also find out where you can buy our stuff uh, locally, like in different cities around the world. Um, if you can't find anything near where you live, uh, you can buy our clothes online. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram, where we, you know, try to be uh, updated about new styles that we release and also educate people on, on wool. <laughs> mainly <laughs> excellent but also some scandinavian design and mm -hmm. architecture and yeah. you know things that inspire us yeah no it's all about storytelling and adding mm -hmm. different aspects of your brand because your brand mm -hmm. is not one dimensional it has many different mm -hmm. facets yeah perfect well thank you once again i would wish you lots of success i also really love what you do and thank, thank you. you again for your time Thanks for calling me. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. I hope you enjoyed today's episode with Tove Grane. If you want to find out more about Tove as well as about We Norwegians, then head on over to the show notes at elizabethvandelden.com forward slash 073. Once again, that is at elizabethvandelden.com forward slash 073. If you are active on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter or LinkedIn, then make sure to follow us on these platforms so that you are always alerted when a new podcast is coming out. I look forward to connecting with you there. Thank you for listening. Talk to you again next week and bye for now.